a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 25, Star Wars, issue number 5, November 1977. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and it is January 2015, and I'm about to travel back in time to August 1977 to read a collection of Marvel comics with the November 1977 cover date. That's 37 years ago, more or less. And here's how this works. Uh, I'm reading Star Wars. I'm reading a bunch of other comics. They're all related to each other because they're all licensed by Marvel Comics between the years of 1977 and 1986. Those are the years when Marvel had licensed the rights to Star Wars, the uh, movie, a little sci-fi movie that was coming out, and they licensed it before they knew it was going to be a huge hit. By this point in time, August 1977, They knew it was a huge hit, and they knew they had something special on their hands. In fact, they had something so special that it actually saved the company. It's hard to imagine a time when Marvel was... No, it's not hard to imagine a time. They've always been in trouble. Uh, Until recently, you know, being bought by Disney can't help but have positive effects on your bottom line as far as dollars go, so... Anyway, during that nine-year period, they licensed a bunch of other things. Some of them were good. Some of them were bad. Some of them were in between. I wanted to read them. Most of what they licensed were titles that I was really interested in, and some of them were titles that I had full runs of and that about, you know, uh, between seven and 10 or 11 years ago, I, I read. I wanted to read them again. And I thought, well, do I sit down and just read through all the Star Wars comics? Or I sit down and read through all the ROM comics? Do I sit down and read through all the Micronauts? Instead, I thought, what if I went month by month and read everything that came out that same month? And so for for today, for this episode, I'm reading Star Wars number five. I'm reading Godzilla number four. I'm reading Human Fly number three. I'm reading a Marvel movie special that we'll get to. And then I'm reading John Carter number six. Now, these comics all came out in August of 1977. Star Wars came out August 10th, Godzilla August 3rd, Human Fly August 3rd, The Deep, that Marvel movie special, August 17th, and John Carter August 24th. I'm not quite so um, uh, organized as I I want to read them all in the order that they actually hit the shelves. I just want to read them all together, one lump, Marvel's sci-fi comic books, sci-fi and fantasy, I should say. Because really, let's face it, Star Wars, not sci-fi. Godzilla, not really sci-fi. Human Fly, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the last time I did uh, I did this was for uh, the October 1977 cover date books. 
I had a really, really good comic. I had a really, really bad comic. I loved it. I loved it because that's what this series is all about. It's about reading the good. It's about reading the bad. It's about, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have Marvel sci-fi comic books that they licensed. So one interesting thing, I, I decided to do some unscientific math, and here's what I found. Star Wars number five costs 35 cents cover price. Godzilla, number four, 35 cents cover price. Human Fly, number three, 35 cent cover price. John Carter, number six, 35 cent cover price. And The Deep, a Marvel movie special, 60 cent cover price. That's $2 total. You know how many story pages that was? 102 story pages. That is two cents per page. And we're talking about old school pages with significant story on each page. Now, compare to the relative dollar value of, of today, 35 cents becomes $1.33. So $2 becomes $7.69. So I'm actually trying to take a look at this and say, okay, yeah, the 35 cent cover price makes you feel jealous, but really that translates into a $1.33 cover price in today's dollars. Now, $7.69, that's what $2 becomes. And again, this is all unscientific. This is me finding a website, plugging the numbers in, and just taking it at face value. But still, that $7.69, that might buy you two, might buy you two and a half, but probably depending on where you're, you're, you're getting. In fact, I just had a week to this week where I bought Ant-Man number one which uh, was a $4.99 cover price. Now, it had about 30 story pages, but your $7.69 might buy you two 24-page story comics. Now, we're talking unscientific here, but, I mean, this is something that, honestly, um, it just you just don't get the same dollar-to-story ratio. Now, of course, there are other, um, there are other factors to consider, one is quality. Human fly number two, 35 cents was robbery. 35 cents in today's money. Robbery. I paid a dollar for that. That's a crying shame, man. I am I I I still I still can't get over how bad that book was. And okay. Spending a dollar there did get me a couple of good conversations with a couple of friends. Uh, just as I was talking it over and, and explaining to them what was going on and how bad it was. And I got to do the podcast about it, of course. So, okay. So maybe my investment here wasn't a, a crying shame, but it definitely was some form of shame. <laughs> some form of shame goes here and it doesn't go to me. It does not go to me. That, that goes to your editor and to your, your writer there. And I feel bad for the, your your artist, man, poor guy. Anyway, let's see how this month holds up. I always start with Star Wars and I almost always end with John Carter. In fact, no, I, I have always ended with John Carter in between. Well, I, I'm not sure what order I'm going to take it in yet, but I'm sure I will know by the time I record it and you will know by the time you listen to it. But we're going to start right now with our first part. Yeah. 
Star Wars, number five, August 10th, 35 cents, 17 pages of story in those 35 cents. This chapter, Lo, the Moons of Yavin. Yavin? Yavin? I never could say that one right. This is the penultimate chapter of the six-issue adaptation of Star Wars, the, quote, greatest space fantasy film of all. Thomas, uh, Roy Thomas is the writer-editor. Howard Chaikin and Steve Lealoha are illustrators. Glennis Ween is the colorist. Tom Orzachowski, letterer. And Archie Goodwin, consulting editor. And we have a cover by Rick Hoberg and, and Dave Cockrum, which are names that you should know if you are familiar with X-Men and familiar with, with X-Men or Marvel comics of this era. On the cover, we get the, uh, the blurb that says, Luke strikes again. And then they portray everyone's favorite scene from Star Wars. You know the scene I'm talking about. I'm talking about the scene where the Death Star was in the sky over the rebel base, shooting green lasers at them and knocking part of the base into rubble while rebel pilots are scrambling to get into their X-Wings and Luke is running with Chewbacca shouting, hurry Chewbacca, we're being attacked by the Death Star. You, you know, that classic line, we all quote it. I, I just quoted it at breakfast this morning when I was talking with my kids. But Han Solo, he has the line that we are quoting over and over and over. I, I'm using it as my signature in my church email account. It's too late, kid. We're finished. I mean, it rivals the, may the force be with you. Ever since that movie, this movie came out, you have, you have, may the force be with you. You have, I got a bad feeling about this and you have, it's too late, kid. We're finished. Wait, you don't remember that, that scene? Uh-huh. Hmm. Well, why else would they put that scene on the cover of the comic book if it didn't happen in the movie? Well, don't worry about it too much because guess what? It, it doesn't happen in the comic either. They didn't stray that far off script within the story. They just strayed that far off script on the on the cover. I know it's supposed to be an emotional tone that they're setting. I just I personally I don't really like things on the cover when it not not that it doesn't happen. It doesn't have to happen in the story to be put on the cover. It just has to be, you know, related <laughs> to what happens in there. Anyway, in the story here, we continue where we left off with the Millennium Falcon escaping, escaping the Death Star. You have a splash page with the entire cast, except for Ben Kenobi. Han is running, yelling, come with me, kid. We're not out of this yet. They're on the Millennium Falcon, and they're about to go to those uh, their, their gun turrets. Time fighters are coming after them. We get some thought clouds and some dialogue that is serviceable. Uh, but it doesn't really ring true, but it, you know, it's, it's setting things up. Uh, the dogfight is quick and, and I'll say this right now, it has vitality and energy, but it, it's just not great. Uh, as far as the art goes, the characters look okay. The ships are really pretty close, but there's definitely something off here. And I'll tell you what I think is off here. I, it's shaken. Uh, he's really pulled back here, at least I, I think he's really pulled back here, and I think some of the uh, information that I've talked about before uh, with Roy Thomas's article about uh, the making of this book, Howard Chaikin, he, he, at this point, it's Lea Aloha who's doing the heavy lifting here. Also, they have a, a pretty tight deadline, but uh, Lea Aloha was a bit uncertain of 
Chaikin's intention, I think, as Chaikin is doing layouts and stuff. Actor likenesses are okay, not quite hitting the mark, though. Anyway, in these seven pages, if this is your first exposure to Star Wars, you would get a pretty good idea here who the characters are just by virtue of how they're interacting with each other and how they are acting during the action. So interaction, acting, action, you, you get it. Uh, if you did know these characters, though, and as you're reading this, you might see some foreshadowing. Uh, Luke closes his eyes as he squeezes the triggers to fight the TIE fighters. And I can't tell, honestly, considering the way Chaikin's pulling back, Lealoha is trying to you know, fill in the gap, and then there's this deadline looming over them. Is this foreshadowing or is this artistic accident? <laughs> I don't know. I'll let, I'll let you decide on that one. Now, as in the movie, Leia says that the escape was far too easy. You cut from there straight to the Death Star. Darth Vader and Tarkin are having dialogue about the, the homing beacon on the Millennium Falcon, while Vader reveals that, well, he reveals that he's hard to draw. And I'm sorry, Darth Vader is hard to draw. How do I know this? Because he's not drawn very well, almost ever. I'm not just seeing this, by the way, in these old comics that are based on like photos and seeing a rough cut of the movie. And so then they're, they're extrapolating from that. I look around today in modern contexts. He's hard to draw. Anyway, he says, he says, have no fear. This will be a day long remembered. And he pumps his fist in the air like he's about to say cha-ching in a, in a rallies commercial. From there, we get to go into the classic Han and Leia argument as they argue a bit. You know, if it's if money is all you love, then that's what you will receive. And then she says to Luke, I wonder if he cares about anything or anybody. Now, Luke thinks, I do, princess. I care. Then you have the, the back and forth. You know, what do you think about her, Han? I try not to. Good. And, you know, there's more romance to come. <laughs> The comic book kind of puts things to the forefront that the movie really didn't push as far. The comic makes things a lot more awkward than the movie does, considering what we're about to find out in, in future movies. Anyway, cut to the rebel base. It looks good. Uh, again, the, the tech, it, it, the artwork of, of the tech, it's more hits than misses. Whereas with the people, it's more misses than hits. It just feels, uh, I'm just going to say it, it feels amateurish. It feels, if not amateurish, it feels rushed, which I think is probably the more fair, uh, the fair, more fair judgment to, to level at this. We then have the exposition explaining the final act. And in here we have, um, you know, like Lady Holiday says, this plot exposition has to go somewhere. And then the, the preparation is they're preparing for battle. Luke and Han say goodbye. Han has his debts to pay. And Luke and Leia say goodbye by clasping hands and then intimately kissing. Yeah, it gets... I can watch the movies and see what happens in this first movie and in the second movie. And then finding out what we find out in the third movie. It's innocent. It's a peck here, a peck there. It's, you know, kissing to make a point to make someone else angry. You know, it, 
I can live with that. It doesn't get too gross for me. It's just kind of like, oh, man, they didn't know. Oh, that's not cool. In the comic book, it's, oh, man. Uh, yuck. Okay. It's just... Uh, enough, enough said about that. Luke is also reunited with Biggs here. And... Uh, we end with the X-Wings flying, ready for battle, going toward the uh, the Death Star. One, one cool thing there at the end is that the blurb says, Next issue, the final chapter? As there is a question mark there. This issue is where, for me, the art completely falls apart. I know I talked about issue four and seeing it was getting worse. The energy and quality and vitality of issues one and two. And then we go from there to here. I just, this issue could have been the death knell for the Star Wars comic book, if not for two things, honestly. Thing number one, it's Star Wars and that movie made money. Thing number two, it's Star Wars and that comic made money. But this, so this is the worst so far. This is the worst. It's not bad. It's not terrible. I could see people dropping it if it was just, hey, here's a new sci-fi comic that's coming out, and you go from issues one and two, and you come to issue five, and it's dropped this far in quality. I could see people dropping it. I could see letters pages. I can't see letters pages literally because I don't have any letters pages in my omnibus. But I could see the letters pages possibly just saying you know i this art's not very good I, i'm done with the book so anyway this was this was star wars number five um it's middle of the road it's middle of the road and you know if i was going to give it a thumbs up or thumbs down i'd give it a thumbs up but it would be a it'd be tentative you know because it's part of the series it's like it's like the second hobbit movie the first hobbit movie i kind of liked the second Hobbit movie, I really didn't like. But that Hobbit movie took me to the third Hobbit movie, which was okay. And I, I, I enjoyed myself. So if they hadn't done the second one, and if I hadn't gone to the second Hobbit movie and just really not enjoyed myself, they wouldn't have made the third Hobbit movie, which allowed me to have some fun and, and actually enjoy myself as I went and saw it with a friend. And then later on, as I went and saw it with my kids. So I'm glad they have this issue. Because it's going to connect us to, you know, issue six. Oh, issue six. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see how issue six is. If it's continuing the downward slide or if it's going to manage to maybe swing upward. Well, we'll see. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, number four.